tear our walls down. Spirit, be exalted over the walls and tear our walls down. Tear our walls down. Walls of fear, tear our walls down. Walls of disbelief, tear our walls down. Walls of pride, tear our walls down. Walls of persecution, tear our walls down. Walls of discord, tear our walls down. Walls of unforgiveness, tear our walls down. God, replace it with the fire of God. The fire, the all-consuming fire of God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more of you. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't control. That I can't control. I want more of you, God. Yes. I want more. Anybody sing it with me? Come on. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain.
Father God, we want more of you, oh God. Today our heart's desire is for more of you, oh God. We release the reins, oh God, and yield to you, oh God. You are the pilot, oh God. You are the potter and we are the clay, oh God. Father, we just love you. We bless you, oh God. You're so merciful, so forgiving, so loving, so faithful, oh God. We worship you, Lord God, in the beauty of your holiness, oh God. We honor you, God, with every ounce and every fiber of our being, oh God. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you've poured upon us and the forgiving forgiveness that you've allowed us to pour upon others, oh God. God, we bless you, oh God. Our heart's desire truly is for more of you, oh God. Whatever it takes, oh God, if we are in the way, oh God, if we have people in the way, oh God, if we have substances in the way, oh God, in the name of Jesus, we release it because we want more of you, oh God. You are first, God. You are our first love, oh God. We bless you, Father. We lift to you the word today, God, the word that will come forth that will be planted into our hearts and will produce much fruit. We lift to you the singing, the giving, the technology, the musicians, the ushering, oh God, the greeting, oh God. Every ounce of this service we give to you and we're believing each person serving God will receive more of you today, oh God. God, those that are grieving today, oh God, we pray that they would feel a sense of peace today. May they know that you love them, that you are with them, that you feel what they feel, and that you will help them through this time, oh God. We lift to you the ill, the sick in our membership, those that have had surgery recently, those that are going to have surgery. We're believing for victory and for complete and total healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. We lift to you the leadership that is going to continue to follow as you say, oh God. May we each hear your voice and be obedient. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is truly in this place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So one of the things we want to definitely do right now, and I would like to do, is welcome each of you. We started out with a welcome, but I'm going to tell you again, welcome. You each look amazing from here. The worship. By the way, I have to tell you, know, we always hear about the, the big choir that pastor wants. Every last one of you, I think, would make up a part of that 150-member choir. I don't know if you heard yourself during the day. I think it was the days of Elijah. The worship was amazing. It was amazing. So the choir meets Thursday, Sister TC. Amen. Thursday, what time, sis? 7.30. Each of you, say, I'm serious, you sounded, it was so anointed, it was amazing. So just know as good as it felt to you singing, it felt amazing hearing it. Amen? Amen. So that little add in there real quick. So as I said that, I want to also welcome any first-time visitors. If you are visiting with us for the first time, we're going to ask that you stand. You don't have to say anything, but we just want to recognize you with our living word welcome. Any first-time visitors? Nope. All right. Praise the Lord. Any second or third time visitors, would you just wave your hand? 
We do have a card. Oh, we have one. Welcome back. Welcome back, sister and brother. Praise the Lord. It's good to have you. The card that you're receiving, if you could fill it out and then drop it in the offering. Um, what we will do is just is for the purposes of placing you in the perfect ministry. We're not going to solicit anything, but it's also our way of staying connected to you. It's awesome to have you today, and it will be awesome to have you again next Sunday and any other Sunday that you'd like to join us. Praise the Lord. All of our regular attenders, raise your hand. Regular attenders and members, raise your hands. Praise the Lord. Give yourself a clap. Praise the Lord. It's good to see each of you also. Praise the Lord. We are going to do some quick announcements. If you have your bulletin, I'm going to ask that you take them out. And look at it, because it's actually a proven fact that when you see things, many times you remember it a little better. Okay, praise the Lord. So I will be your breaking news for today. We don't have it just yet, but prayerfully we'll have it next week. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is there is a leadership meeting today at 6 p.m. Those that are um, going to attend or should be attending, you received an email. So please be sure to come. The meeting place will be in their original sanctuary. That's today at 6 p.m. Also, I'd like to bring to your attention, it's the second on your left-hand side. It's the South District Church's Talent Show in Concert. Now, this, I think, will be an amazing, amazing time. Um, I hope that you join. It's $10 for adults. Any child that's 12 or under is $5. Now, what this is is all of the churches in our district are coming together, and the young people are going to show their talents. How many of you came a few weeks ago when our youth did their their worship night. Was it not awesome? Yes? Praise the Lord. So if you didn't attend, I want to encourage you to attend this one. The cool thing with this one is you're going to have a little bilingual stuff going on. So if you're like me and you want to learn a little Spanish, some of our churches that are Spanish-speaking churches, sometimes they come with items. So please make sure you come because each person that comes, the young people are also helping us to raise money to support our camp. That's our church camp that's coming up. So I'll skip to that next announcement as well. That church camp, South District Youth Camp, is July the 23rd to the 27th. So I know it says the 25th to the 29th up there, but it's actually not those dates. It's the 23rd to the 27th. This year it's from a Sunday, and it ends on a Thursday, okay? And if you're interested, if you have not signed up, it's not too late, right, Pastor? Not too late? See, it's not too late. Praise the Lord. I was talking to someone about that today. So if you could at least put down the deposit, the deposit is half of the cost. That's $50. The full cost is $100, which is really a reasonable rate. If you think about it, your child is going for a whole week. That includes meals, shelter, everything, all right? So praise God. I hope that you would make sure to sign your young person up if you haven't done it yet. I believe it starts from the age of 9 and up. If you have finished high school or you're in college, you could be a counselor. So I know they need counselors as well. Make sure you talk to Pastor or Sister Reynolds. Amen. And you'll see Sister Reynolds out back. Also, I want to bring to your attention Vacation Bible School. How many of you have assisted with Vacation Bible School in the past? Let's raise your hand. Woo! It's a lot of fun, parents. And those of you that have never volunteered with Vacation Bible School, let me encourage you to try it out this year. It's an amazing time. The kids have so much energy. I think it's the coolest thing to see how they worship. And many times you can learn a lot from kids too. So we do hope that you'll join us July the 10th. Through the 14th is Vacation Bible School. Sister Orlet Donegan is in charge of that. She'll have the sign-up, I'm sure, right after service. Be sure to sign your young person up. Lastly, we've been doing 50 Days of Transformation. And my group has actually finished. There's some groups that are still going on. There is one group that I know that's on week two this week. 
So if you did not get a chance to join into a small group and you would like to, the group that's meeting is in Pembroke Pines. It's East Pembroke Pines. Be sure to see me, Sister Orlette, as well as make sure that you see um, Sister Sandra and Sister Winsome. Either one of us can tell you where that group is meeting. And believe me, if you're not a part of the small groups, you want to try joining in. Amen? So this is the last chance for this 50 Days of Transformation. Now, I almost forgot a really important fundraiser. The men's fundraiser. How many of you remember the men's fundraiser from last year? With the amazing food, they watched a movie, they played some games. So this year, it is going to be June the 24th, okay? June the 24th. And the cost for adults is $10. The children that are 12 and under, it'll be $6. You'll be blessed with a movie. You'll be blessed with food. You'll be blessed with games. You know how much it costs to go to the movies now, right? One person is like $12, $15 sometimes. So if you look at it, you're getting $10 for a movie, for food, and for games, and you can't beat out the fellowship, all right? So it'd be great to have each of you joining with us. Um, be sure to take this home to keep as a reminder for all that will take place this week. So I kind of sense that our energy is a little low, and I get it, but we're in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I wanted to get your energy up a little bit because we are about to have our amazing adult choir. How many of you love to hear the choir sing? Amen? Come on and clap them. Let's give them a loud clap of praise. Living Word Open Bible Church Choir led by Sister TC. Amazing, amazing. Let's prepare our hearts and minds. Amen.
presence I humble myself I lift up both my hands and I begin to worship Him I worship Him for all He's done for me He's redeemed and set me free and because just
he's God. Amen? What an awesome reminder. Our God is amazing. It's not because of anything we've said or done, but it's because of who he is. He allowed us to see another day. He allowed us to enter into God's house, his house. Thank you, adult choir. Amazing. Just the way that they minister, it just, Holy Spirit is truly speaking through each person that's coming forth this morning. Amen. As always. Amen. All right, so praise the Lord. Another opportunity that we have shortly is the offering, so if the ushers can get ready for that. But prior to the offering, Deacon Daniels has an announcement for us. Thank you very much. Uh, this time of the year is the time when we acknowledge our students, especially those students who, are, who have done well academically throughout the year. And um, when I did make a check, I thought we had no seniors graduating this year. Um, but we do have one, and I spoke to that particular senior. They, they haven't brought anything yet to us. No report cards. So this year, of course, we want all children who have received their report cards to bring them in. You think of Sister Knight over there, or myself, or Sister Francis, Sister Winsome, any member of the Pastors Club for Academic Excellence, or the Club for Academic Excellence. We need your report cards. I'm going to give you a deadline by the 11th of July. That's your absolute deadline to get those report cards into us by the 11th of July. If your school is having a problem getting the report cards, please go to the school and get the report card. If, you didn't, if they mailed it to you and you didn't get it, you can go to the school and get the report card. All right, but we need the report cards by the 11th of July because some of us have travel plans and so forth. If we don't get it in, here's the thing. We are having the award ceremony on the 6th of August. The award ceremony on the 6th of August. Parents, make a note of that so that if you are traveling and you can know that you need to be here or whatever adjustments you need to make to accommodate your child or children on the 6th of August. And if my memory serves me correctly, I think our awards dinner for those kids who have done well and uh, that awards dinner is on the 19th the 19th of um, of august so again make the adjustments in your calendar for those children parents if you are traveling two days are significant the 6th of august and the 19th of august if you believe your child has done well and you should know not believe but if you know your kid has done well and you want the kid to be here for the academic um Excellence Club um, Awards, please have those things. Uh, make the adjustments in your calendar. Everybody knows the criteria. If you do not know the criteria, I'll put it outside for you, not this Sunday, but the criteria has not changed. But suffice to say, if you are a child in high school, you may not know if you have done well enough to qualify. Bring the report cards into us. You understand? Give us the report cards. Let us take a look at them. I have received some, but I need to receive all the report cards. The criteria, as I said, remain the same, basically. I will come back um, one or two more Sundays just to let you know you need to get them into us. So if you have difficulty, let us know, please. Thank you very much. Amen. And I have to say, it's a good incentive also because those children who may not have necessarily hit it this year, they should still come. I encourage parents to bring their children because then they can see what they can actually receive. And it's like an incentive to encourage them to go forward and do better next time. It's offering time. You ready to give? Praise the Lord. Let's give a clap for offering time. One of my favorite times. 
God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? All right. Brother Kufre is going to lead us in a prayer. Let us bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here together today. Thank you for allowing us to partake in your word and for allowing us to give a part of what you give to us back to you. I pray that those who are unable to give on this day will be able to give in the future and that you will continue to provide for all of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. the harvest, but I promise you they play it better than Fred Hammond's group. Don't go to him, though. We need to keep you here. Praise the Lord. So as we continue to worship, I hope and I know your hearts are ready for what God has for you today. Our pastor, Carl Francis, will now come forth and give you the word, a rhema word directly from God to each and every one of us. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time, well, bless God. Why don't you just turn beside you and greet somebody. If you turn around, just greet somebody beside you, behind you, around you. Tell them it's good to see you. Hallelujah. I see that, uh, I want to welcome the Thompsons. We see them here today. Welcome. Good to have you. Lessons on you. Why don't you turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark? I just want to read a passage of Scripture that will that also includes what we want to focus on today as we continue our 50 days of transformation. Last week we took us out of a hiatus since it was Pentecost Sunday. And uh we're back on track this week. As you've heard, many of the groups are, some are finishing, some are in the middle, and probably one's just about starting. We are, our group is about, we're in our fourth week, and, uh, well, our fifth week, this, this Monday, 
I've been doing a group in, in plantation, and uh, we're making good progress. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, I just want to begin at verse uh, 18, so that it will include the passage that I want to focus on this morning. It says, Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, that is Jesus, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died. Nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her, and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Jesus answered and said to him, to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures, nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandment greater than these. I want to focus on that first part. And you, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This, he says, is the first commandment. Let us pray. Our loving Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them and literal medicine unto all flesh. As we come before you this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit will speak to us as only you can. Lord, give us really attentive ears and receptive hearts. Holy Spirit, I'm totally dependent on you. I ask you to minister as you can through each of us and do a work in each of us and those watching us by the World Wide Web. May no one leave the way they came. This we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people says, Amen. It was a Sunday morning, and this mother went to wake up her son. She told him it was Sunday, and she said, Son, you need to get up. It's getting late. And when he, when he woke up, he said, Mom, I don't feel like going today. 
She said, no, you have to go today. He says, well, I don't feel like going. I don't, they don't like me, and I don't like them. And she says, you have to go. You're 45 years old, and you're the pastor. <laughs> you know, if we follow our feelings, many times we won't do the things that we need to do. And today we want to talk about We've looked at transforming your spiritual health. We've looked at transforming your mental health. We've looked at transforming your physical health. And today we want to look at transforming your emotional health. Because this is very important, your emotions. And in the passage that I read, when you heard Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You hear the emotion in that. You hear that God doesn't want to, in a colloquial language, thank you, thank you, love. He doesn't want a, just a faint kind of a love, a sort of a wishy-washy love. He wants us to love him with passion. God wants us to love him with passion. All your heart. He could have stopped there. But he says all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Mind, there is passion in that. And so that's what God wants. He's a, he's, a, he's a God of passion and emotion. I'm not sure if you understand that God is a God of emotions. And so I want to talk to you this morning as we look at our emotional health, the way we feel, and what we're going to look at is uh, how to manage our feelings or how to manage our emotions. Because we're going to see why is it important to do that, and then we're going to talk about how we need to do that. But first of all, let me give you some, some sort of a lay, some foundation about our emotions. Number one, I want you to know that first, God is a God of emotion. God has emotions. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, here's what the Bible says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed uh, for the day of sin. Don't grieve him. So if, you, if God can be grieved, then that tells us that God has emotions. And then the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so we see clearly that God is a God of emotions. Now the other thing we need to know is that my ability to feel is a gift from God. The fact that I have emotions, it is because God has created me in his image and in his likeness. If you didn't have emotions, you'd be a robot. And I thank God I didn't want to be a robot. I don't know about you. Would you like to be a robot? No, I, want, I don't want him to be a robot. I thank him that he could have made us robots. Did you know that? He had a choice when he was going to make us. He could have made us robots, but he chose to give us a will and emotions and we can feel and we can make decisions, and so forth. And I'm thankful for that. And so God has given us the gift and the ability to feel. And that's what makes us human beings. It is your emotional ability that allows you to love, to create, to be faithful and loyal, to be kind and generous, all the emotions that are attached with that. Because, as I said, we are made in the image and the likeness of God. But I want to tell you this morning that there, I want to warn you about two extreme in our emotions that we have to guard against. The first one is called emotionalism. 
And I want to define it for you this morning. Emotionalism means that all that matters is how I feel. You know, that's all that is important. It's about, that's an extreme end of the spectrum. It's all about what I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. It doesn't matter what's popular or unpopular. It only matters what I feel. Now, that's not a good thing. You know, that was the hippie generation in the 60s. Now, you, some of you don't remember that, but in the 60s, they said, if it feels good, what? Do it. That's where it started. And, uh, and so, you know, it was all about feeling. And you know that we're going to look at some things about feeling that you really realize you don't want to go down that road. So that's the extreme, emotionalism. And then on the other end of the spectrum is what is called stoicism. Means feelings aren't important at all. The stoic does not believe he must follow his feelings. The stoic believes I need to think, I need to process, and that's what it is all about. It's not, it doesn't matter whether I feel it or I don't feel it. It doesn't matter whether I like it or don't like it. I need to do what is, the, what, what is right. I need to do what I, what I think is the appropriate thing. And so that's the extreme end of what we look at, actually. And so what we need to find is that middle ground. Now, for some Christians, you know, there are entire denominations that are based on feelings. And I'm not going to get into them today to talk about who they are and what they are, but there are some. But there are people that come to church, and it's all about feeling. You know, if I don't feel it, you know, man... What a service. You know, the only reason why it was a what a service is because I, I feel something. When some people come, they want a quiver in their liver. And if they don't get a quiver in their liver, then they will say, oh, that service wasn't so good. May have been great teaching. They may have gotten some great principles they can apply in life, but they didn't feel anything. And for them, what's important, I need to feel it. Did you feel the Holy Ghost moving? You know, and so we have to be very careful about these things. That we're not just jumping and based on feelings. And we're going to see why in a little while. God gave us both a mind and emotions. And they're both important. So we can't just ignore our thinking, our thoughts, and our mind. We have to focus on both. And so it is important. Now, the number one word that the Bible uses for emotions is the heart. The Bible talks about the heart a lot. And sometimes it uses the words affection. But you know, the heart is still the symbol of love and emotion. Somebody says, I love you with all my heart. And so it is that kind of, it represents emotion. And the book of Psalms is very good with this. God has given us the book of Psalms to help us to understand our emotions a lot. Now, what I want you to do this what I want to do this morning is to talk to us about how we need to learn, why we need to learn to imagine our emotions. Let's talk about why first. Because when you understand why, you will want to do it. And we're going to talk about how you go about doing it. But first, we want to look at why it is so. Now, um, my clicker isn't working, so I'm not sure what's going on up there. Um, why must I manage my emotions? Number one, the first thing why is because my feelings are often unreliable. Did you know that your feelings are not as reliable as you think they are? Sometimes your feeling can lead you in the wrong. Have you ever made a 
you said, I feel this in my, your gut feeling and it turned out to be wrong. Anybody? Yeah, you followed your gut feeling and it didn't turn out right. And so your feelings can be, are unreliable. And so we have to be very careful about that. Not everything you feel is right. Not everything you feel is authentic. Not everything you feel is reality. Some things you feel about yourself are flat dead wrong. Some of the things you feel about other people are dead wrong. You may say, I'm sure this is the right direction. And then when you go, you turn out it's not it. You know what Proverbs 4.12, here's a word from Proverbs 14.12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end there is death. So emotions are not infallible. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it is true. Our feelings are often wrong. And they often guide us in the wrong direction. So that's the first thing. Why I need to manage my emotions. Some, many times they are unreliable. And then the second thing why we need to manage our emotions. Is because they want, they, they, I don't want to be manipulated. You know your emotions can manipulate you. If you don't control your emotions. Can I tell you? They will control you. And you'll be manipulated by your moods. I know that you know, and I think you, maybe you can resonate with this. You've had moods that you wonder where did that mood come from. Hello? You probably went to bed feeling okay. But when you woke up in the morning, something changed, and you didn't feel the same way when you went before, as you went to bed last night. Where did that mood come from? You know, so all of a sudden, we're in a different mood. And so you, and, and your, your flesh can try to, manipulate you. And if you allow that, then you know it's going to be causing a problem. Now here's one you can really resonate to. I go, I've learned, you never want to go to the supermarket to shop when you're hungry. Anybody identify with that? Because when you come home and you look in your grocery bags and you start unpacking, you say, why in the world did I buy this? But you see, because your emotions you were hungry, right? And so as you were there, everything looked good. You know, this is good. This is good. This is good. Put it in. Put it in. And, uh, <laughs> and then when you got back home, you realized, I have four of those in the, in the thing already. I didn't need another fifth one. And so your emotions, impulse buying. That's what the salespeople try to do with you. You know, so the whole idea is to get you to get your emotion up. So when the person comes and they're trying to sell it insurance, policy. <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody today, but, uh, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, it's, you know, and you know, this is the reason why they said, you know, you, before you pass, you want to make sure you don't want to leave anything with your relatives and they tell you all kinds of stuff and your emotions start going down. And that's the reason actually, here's another one, um, where, why you need to make arrangements about your funeral before you die. Because at that time when you pass or whoever passes, your family is going to make emotional decisions. And the funeral director's job at that time is to make a big sale. And so he's going to whip it up and he's going to tell you that you can get this package and that package. And you can't, and you're, oh, I want to send mama off. Nice. I don't want mama to go that way. And your emotions are high. And after mama is gone and buried, you pull out the bill and you realize, oh, my gosh. I really didn't need to do as much as I do. So, your emotions are important. 
got to learn to control your emotions. And if you don't, they will control you. And they will make a lot of th difference in what you do. So, we got to have that understanding. Here's Proverbs 25, verse 30, 28. It says, like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. If you don't have a check on your feelings, you're going to be like an open city with no defense. You know, things are going to go wrong. It's going to be terrible. A person without self-control is another translation. Is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Your old nature knows your moods. You know that? Your old nature has a pattern. It's sort of know your pattern. What sort of works on you. And so you got to be careful. It puts you in a mood. And all of a sudden, you don't want to do what you need to do. You don't want to do what is right. You don't want to do what is healthy. You know what is good, but because you've been manipulated by your mood, you succumb to it. And Satan's favorite tool in your life and my life is negative emotions. He will use fear to whip you around. He will use resentment and jealousy to get you whip you around. He will use bitterness and worry and anxiety, and he will even use shame to beat you up. His favorite tool is to try to get you discouraged. If you don't know how to manage your emotions, you're going to be helpless against the enemy. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Notice that word, self-controlled. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you don't have self-control, he's going to eat your lunch. And you're going to be, so you and I need to learn to manage our emotions. So we need to learn to manage our emotions because my feelings are often reliable. Because I don't want to be manipulated. And here's another thing. Because I want to please God. Because I want to please God. God cannot be Lord of my life if my emotions are Lord of my life. If I'm being led by my emotions, then I'm not really being led by God. And so in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 to 8, it says, To be controlled by your human nature results in death. And to be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. So those who obey their human nature cannot please God. That's another translation. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. So you cannot please God if your emotions dominate your life. And you're running based on how you feel. And your decisions are based on what you feel rather than what God says. I don't care. I don't, this is what I feel. No, 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 no. When you start using I don't care, that's a dangerous ground you're going on. And some people get to that point. It's, you know, something rile up in them and they feel a certain way. And then somebody says to them, oh, I think you need to. I don't care. And, you know, huff and puff and they start throwing everything out the window. Not literally I'm talking about. I'm just figuratively speaking. Uh, you know, they start just ignoring everything else. What's right, what's appropriate. And they're not focusing on, well, what does God say about this? And sometimes some people know the right thing. And they know what is right. And they sort of like push God to the side. And the Holy Spirit is trying to say, they say, Holy Spirit, be quiet right now. I need to deal with this in the flesh. You know, we don't actually say it that way. But the way we're doing it and how we're dealing with it, that's what we're actually saying. And so we allow the mood and the flesh and the feeling to control us. And so we have to be very careful of that. So we can't be, uh, if I learn, if I want, I have to manage my emotions because 
I want to please God. And I want him to be displeased with me. And then the fourth reason I want to manage my emotions, is very important, this very fourth reason, is because I want to succeed in life. Now here, there is one, this is one of the most important predictors of success or failure in a person's life. Do you know how to manage your moods? Do you know how to deal with how you feel? Do you know how to control your emotions? If you don't learn to do this, you will never be the success in life that God intended for you to be or you want to be. Let me say that again. If you never learn to control your emotions, you'll never be the success in life that God intended you to be and that you yourself want to be. Let me tell you about study after study, what they show. Study after study revealed this, that your EQ is more important than your IQ. What do I mean by that? Your emotional quotient is more important about your ability to succeed in life than your intelligence quotient. There are many people with lower intelligence, lower IQ, but high EQ who are much more successful in life. More of those than the other way around. And if you have a high IQ and you cannot control your EQ, you're not going to be successful. Now you know that. You know people that have blown their opportunities on the job because of their attitude. They didn't learn to control their emotions. And they acted in ways and they said things that they shouldn't say. Or they shouldn't have done because of what they felt. And they said, I, 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 I think it's right. And they, 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 I'm fear and they treated me bad. And I, and I don't care. And I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, you know, you give a piece of your mind and you get a, get, they give you a piece of paper and it's pink. And so people have, you know, we have to be understanding. And if you can't control your emotions, you're going to have a difficulty getting along with people. And if you can't get along with people, you're not going to be very successful. Because no matter how much you try, wherever you go, whatever job you're doing, guess who you're going to run into? People. <laughs> You've got to learn to work with people. And so it is important we learn to control our emotions. You've heard of people, I mean, those who have, you know, you know they just give in to their emotions and, and, and they get into a situation and before you know it, they give in to their emotions and just, they don't even think about anything and they just go right on and guess what they end up with? An unwanted pregnancy. And you know what has happened? For the rest of their life, their lives are scarred. You know, they weren't ready for a baby, but now they have a baby to treat. They have a baby to take care of. They have a baby to feed. They can't go where they want to go. They try to find to pass it off onto some grandmother or try to pass it off onto somebody else. And they said, no, no, you take your baby and go home with your baby. You go learn to take care of your baby yourself. And so now they have a package. I don't want to say a baggage. That God doesn't make bad things. But they have on their hands what they never planned for. All because they succumbed to their emotions and just didn't think. And they just allowed themselves to be manipulated. And they didn't learn to control it. You have people who have lost their ministry. Pastors who have lost their ministry over that. CEOs who have lost their jobs. 
They succumb to their emotions and the emotion of greed. People in jobs who have succumbed to the emotions of greed, they start seeing an opportunity to take a little money here and a little money there and a little money there and a little money there. And over time, it adds up and they caught them and it catches them and they realize, oops, they've wrecked their career. They've gone to prison for embezzlement. They now have a record and it's affected all because they did not learn to control their emotions. What I'm talking about today is so important. We have to learn to control our emotions. We are, we haven't, I haven't started telling you how to do it yet. I'm just telling you why we need to do it. We're going to get to the point where we're going to start talking about how we do this. Proverbs 5 and 23 says, People get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Proverbs 5, 23. Listen to that. People get lost, that he's talking about in their life, and they die because of their foolishness, and their lack of control. So we know a lot of people that end up in those situations. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 2 says, From now on you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires. As children of God, we need to live our lives controlled by God's will and not by human desires. What are human desires? Your emotions. Your affections. The way you feel. He says the rest of your life as a child of God, from now on as a believer, your life is to be controlled by God's will and not by how you feel. And a lot of people work with how they feel. They base a lot of what they do based on how they feel. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like going to work today. So what do they do? They call in sick. Then they go on Facebook. The boss is wandering on Facebook and they didn't know that the friend of that friend of that friend of that friend of that friend is a friend of the boss friend. And they found out that on Facebook they said, I just called in sick, meet me at the beach. When they went back to work, the boss walked into the office. I just called in to my office. Meet me at the door. You're gone. What I'm talking about is reality, you know. Using my examples, that happens. I'm talking about things that I know. These things happen. We live in a whole different world today. You have no secrets. And do you know the interesting thing? What I find today is people don't tell, people like to tell everybody their business. They go on Facebook and they broadcast everything they're doing. I just checked in at so and so. I just did this. Here's what I'm eating for dinner. And they take a picture of it and they send it out. It's amazing. We live in a society where all the privacy and all the norms and all that's broken down and nothing is, in, you know, everything is open now. And I tell you everything. Sending videos of getting, having a baby. It's amazing. All kinds of things are happening right now. It's crazy world we live in. And we got to be very careful. So the question is, 
how do I manage my unwanted feelings? That's what I want to talk about now. How do I manage that? How do I manage the unwieldy and unwanted feeling? The first thing we need to do is this. We need to name it. Name it. I can't manage what I don't know what it is. So I need to identify what is it that I'm feeling. I need to pinpoint exactly what it is. You can't manage a vague feeling. You can't change and control something you've not identified. If you don't know what the problem is in your life, you certainly can't work it out. Now here's the thing that we, we, we miss. We think we are most in touch with our feelings. You know, a lot of us feel that I'm really in touch with my feelings. And when, when there's a test done, you realize you're not in touch with your feelings. And we're not in touch with our feelings as much as we think we are. You know, we, we'd love to think so. But study after study proof, we're not, as much, we're not in touch as much as we think we are. And we think we're very good at in touch. I, I know my feelings. I'm, I can identify. There are times you don't know what you're feeling. You just know you're feeling something, but you can't tell what it is. Is that an amen? That's right. You can't put your finger on what it is. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm feeling something, but you're not sure what. Pastor and his wife were having a little bit of marriage problems, and I went to counseling. One of the questions the counselors asked was, how in touch are you with your feelings? How do you think, how do you think you're doing? The guy said, I'm in touch with my feelings. I, I'm what you call a sensitive guy, a sensitive man. So the counselor said, well, great. Tell me some of the emotions you felt this past week. All of a sudden, he couldn't name anything. He said he was drawing blank. What emotions did you feel last week? Finally, he said, I was tired and I was hungry. And he comes to shot back. Those are not emotions. Those are drives. They're not emotions. You're tired and hungry is not an emotion. I'm dry. That's, you're, that's a drive. What's driving you is that I'm tired to do something. Because I'm tired, I react a certain way. Because I'm hungry, I react a certain way. But that's not, those of us driving need to behave a certain way. But that's not emotion. I'm not in touch with, what, what, what am I, what do I feel inside of me? What's going on with me? What are the emotions that I feel? Am I really in touch with them? Or I, I just walk around and somebody look at me and says, what's wrong with you? I'm not quite, just leave me alone. Because you're not sure what's going on. But you see, we have to learn to name it in order to be able to solve it. So the problem is, if you can't name it, you can't change it. You know, David had this problem in, in Psalm 55. He says, in verse 2, he says, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. That's the way a lot of times many people feel. So how do you clarify what you're feeling in order to identify really what is this? I'm going to tell you how you do this. You ask two questions. You want to identify what you're really feeling, you're going to ask yourself two questions. Here are the two questions. Number one, you first ask yourself, what am I really feeling? And you go beyond the surface. Don't just scratch the surface. Go deep. Sometimes I'm feeling, you're maybe feeling down or you're feeling discouraged or you may say, I've got the blues, or I'm a little bit depressed, and you think you're having a problem with depression. And no, the problem is not that. 
So you ask the next question, what's making me depressed? You, you look a little deeper. And maybe what you find is that you were criticized at work earlier that day. And because you were criticized or something happened, you come home and you're in a mood. And your spouse says, what's wrong with you? I'm okay, just give me a break. You're not sure what's going on. You know that you're just not feeling the way you should feel. So you got to ask yourself, just begin to search. Why am I really feeling this way? And the second question you're going to ask is, what triggered this? What triggered this? You got to ask you about the emotion. If you can't, you got to get in touch with what's going on down inside of you. What, what's triggering this? And you know that you're out of control when you can't talk about it. If you have a fear and you're afraid to talk about it, it's already out of control. Naturally, talking about it is how you gain control. That's why the enemy wants you to clam up. It's an amazing thing. The enemy comes against us because when you with somebody says, well, tell me about it. No, no I don't want to talk about it. Now you're being controlled by it. The way to get control of it is to talk about it. But what was our natural tendency is to say, no, I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I don't want, I don't want to go there. And sometimes it's something from the past. Sometimes you heard something, you hear something, you see something, and the thing triggered a thought, and it triggered to take you back to a childhood situation. Somebody was serving porridge. And you remembered, oh, I, people said, I, I hate porridge. They said, why? Because every day they gave me when I was a child. That's true. People say that. I know people who say that. And so they just, they just, just seen porridge poured. Put them in a different mood because it, do, it takes them back to the fact that, oh, I, 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 I hated to get it every day I came home from school. All I see was porridge, porridge, porridge. It's amazing how your emotions are. And if you don't talk about it, you're going to take it out in your body. Someone says, when you swallow your emotions, your stomach keeps score. Your emotions are not meant to be swallowed. They were meant to be shared. And so whether it's a smell, you smell something and it takes you back somewhere. You hear something and it takes you back somewhere. There's a lady, um, if she heard hangers knock against each other, she went into a depressed mood. Because the sound of it reminds her of a childhood situation that she was traumatized so badly about that she has buried it. And that sound took her back there and put her right back into an emotion, into a, in a depression state. So sometimes you're wondering why is my mood changed and what's going on? There are all kinds of things happening around you. Something you see, something you hear, something you smell, and it's all affecting you in a way. Something you taste. And when you taste it, 
You remember what they used to give you when you're getting back to school. And you said, ah, it takes you right back there. You may be 60 years old. But right away, it takes you back and your mood changes. And you walk out half an hour later or something and somebody says something, you snap at them. Where did that come from? And they said, why are you snapping at me? And you're snapping at them not because of what they said, but because of the mood you entered, because of what you tasted half an hour ago. What I'm trying to teach you is how your emotions work. So you can understand what you need to do and what you need to look for. Because your emotions affect your relationships. You're dealing with people. And you ever, you ever heard some people, somebody said to them, they're so moody. Anybody ever, you ever heard people talk about some people like that? And they describe them as a moody person. And they says, you can't tell what they're going to be like today. That's what I'm talking about. You have to be able to be in touch and understand because it's going to be very difficult. Who wants to be around a very moody person? Who wants to work with somebody that moody because you don't know what they're going to be doing? You don't know what's coming next. You don't know what's going to spring on you next. You don't know what's going to say, what they're going to do. And God doesn't want us to be like that. We can be even keeled. Doesn't mean you don't have periods of time, but you don't have to be swinging so much. And some people swing several times in the day. So the first thing you got to do if you want to manage it is to name it. You got to identify what's, what's triggering this. And you say, you know, as you search, you realize, oh, okay. I remember this happened. And then the second thing you got to do is to challenge it. Challenge your feeling. Don't automatically accept what you're feeling. Don't automatically assume that your feeling is accurate. You know, things may not be as bad as you're feeling that they are. Did you know that? Sometimes the, you feel that things are so bad. And when somebody comes and starts to talk to you and you talk through something, you suddenly realize, you know what? My life is not as bad as I thought it was. But when you feel, what you're feeling, and sometimes the enemy wants you to feel, you are, you are the worst person in the world. And your situation is the worst. And then you hear somebody's situation and you realize, wait a minute. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. So you have to challenge your feelings. Check it out. Ask yourself the question. And so you can, like David, God, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know where it came from, but I need your help. Psalm 26, 2, he says, Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. That's what he said in Psalm 26, 2. What are your affections? They're your emotions. So he's saying to God, test me, God. And sometimes you need to get a person, a partner, some help, a friend to help you with your, to get a grip of where you are. You give somebody the permission to say, you know what, Carl? What you're feeling doesn't match up with what's really reality. 
You're going to have to depend with this. Someone who can really tell you the truth. And speak into your life and be able to say with you what's really happening. Because sometimes you think that things are worse than they are. Or sometimes you think things are better than they are. And some people don't like to face reality. We don't want to go there. We don't want to think it through. And so we, we stop thinking. So we don't have to process it. So we don't have to think about it. So I don't have to really understand it. So I really don't have to realize it's not as good as I think it is. I want to live in that pseudo thought. Thinking that this is where things are when they're really not. So we ask ourselves three questions. What, what's the reason? What's the real reason that I'm feeling this? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's worry. Maybe you're hooked into something that your dad said to you when you were a child. Or your husband said to you. And it gets you pent up and you're now doing something or saying something or vice versa. You have to ask yourself the question, is this feeling true? Is it a true feeling? You know, Elijah was in that situation. Did you know that? God came to Elijah and he says to him, Where are you, wh what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, well, God, you know, I'm the, 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 Jezebel have killed off all the prophets. And I'm the only one left. And God says, you're kidding me? I got 7,000 more like you that have not bowed to, to, to Baal. You can't imagine the shock in, Elijah, in Elijah's life when he thought he was the only one left and God says, no. he didn't say, well, I have five more. 7,000. And so sometimes what we're thinking, we got to realize your thinking is not, what you're thinking is not true. And why are you acting like this? Why are you acting, he says, like you're the only one trying to do the right thing in all the world? And the third question we need to ask is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Is it helping me or hurting me? Let's give you an example. You go to the restaurant and you arrive and you're waiting. And you're waiting. And they haven't come to your table. And you're waiting. And as you're waiting longer, a couple walks in, sit down. They finally come to your table. This couple comes in 15 minutes after you. And the next thing you know, you see their food coming out. Let me tell you what's welling up inside of you. Now you can't wait to see that waitress. <laughs> to find out about this lousy restaurant. And to tell them how, what a lousy place this is. But here's a question. Will getting angry at the waitress going to make you feel better? Is it going to change anything? In fact, it may get worse. She may take longer. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this feeling hurting me or helping me? 
What's the point of taking out all this anger or what I'm feeling inside on the waitress? Is it going to be beneficial? The flesh is going to feel good. But just because the flesh feels good doesn't mean that it's, it, it, it benefits you. And so we have to stop and think. We have to stop and think. We have to learn to control our emotions. The reason why you're upset is because you're very hungry. And you've been waiting. And for you, it's not fair. It's injustice. So we say you have to name it. You have to challenge it. And the third thing, final thing, you have to tame it. To tame it means to change it. Or you've got to change it. And when we talk about taming it and changing it, if you want to succeed in life, you must learn to master your moods. Now, there are either two things you can do about taming it. You can either change it or you can channel it. Let's talk about changing it first. You can change what you're feeling. You have the right to change your feelings. Did you know that? You can Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He didn't say, you know, you're, you know when, if, it, if you're feeling okay. You're, no, no, your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. Your attitude includes your emotions, what you're feeling. And so you ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? WWJD, right? Would Jesus get irritated at the waitress? No. Would Jesus be yelling at the person? No. Would Jesus be wringing his hands and worrying that things are not going to work out and worrying about it? No. So what's the bottom line? I need to dismiss that feeling. I can't. You know, a lot of things that we think we can't do is a choice. And we, we don't want to make the choice. You know why? The flesh don't want you to make the choice. And because we're controlled by the flesh, the flesh says, you can't just, you can't just wave it off. But I really can make a change for that moment at least. I can start thinking, whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely. And if I start thinking, you know, it's very hard to feel bad when they think about good things. Have you ever noticed that? It's very difficult to be feeling bad while you're thinking about good things. It's sort of an oxymoron. And so what we need to do is to recognize that I'm going to start thinking what the Bible says. And so my attitude should be different. But while I can't change it by willpower, I can change it by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says in Zechariah 6 and verse 4, It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And so I can ask God, Lord, every day I can ask God to fill me with His Spirit. Why? Because when He fills me with His Spirit, what is the fruit of, what, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, and last of all, what? Self-control. So when I'm Spirit-led, one of the benefits of that is that when the Spirit is in control of my life, I will be I will have self-control as part of the package and the benefit. And then finally, if I don't change it, I can channel it. I can channel it. 
You know, for instance, let's assume that you're a victim of injustice. You experience prejudice, maybe racial profiling. You experience unfairness in the classroom. Unfairness because you're a man or a woman of a different color or whatever. You, you found something unfair in your life and you're naturally your emotion is going to go up and you'll probably get angry. What's the legitimate response? Well, the Bible says be angry and what? Sin not. You can't be angry and not sin. It's not getting angry that is the problem. It's what you do with the anger that is the issue. So getting angry, because if somebody is unjust, if there's injustice, you're going to be angry. If there is something that somebody's hurting somebody you love, you're going to be angry. So the anger is not the issue. It's how you challenge it. So you need to channel that into something good. Let me give you an example. On December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks refused to obey the driver, James Blake, who ordered her to give up her seat in the colored section to a white passenger after the white section was filled. Martin Luther King, Jr., in early December of that same year, decided to lead the first nonviolent protest of African Americans in a bus boycott. You know that boycott, that bus boycott lasted 382 days. You know what it did? They challenged that anger into a bus boycott. It caused the U.S. Supreme Court to change the law. And the law was changed and the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that segregation in public buses was unconstitutional. On April 4th, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King was shot dead in Memphis, Tennessee. But his powerful voice was not silenced. Almost 50 years later today, his ideas are still a source of inspiration for people who seek peace and justice because they channeled what was an angry situation into turning it into something good and, and use it for good. And look at that. Today, you and I are benefits and we are beneficials of that situation. So when you have anger or other situations, emotions that you are unwanted, one of the things you can do that rise up in you is to channel it to do something good. Let God help you to channel it for good. Can you use it in your life? You need to name it. You need to challenge it. You need to channel it. And you need to change it and use it for good. The question is this morning, what's causing you pain in your life? Can you channel it? And can you use it for good? Because you need to learn to manage your emotions. Because it is what causes you to be successful in life. So to be transformed in your emotional health by practicing what we talked about today. 
Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you're an emotional God. I thank you that you gave us the ability to feel that we're not robots. That we're not unfeeling, uncaring, and that we can experience both highs and lows in life. Help us to avoid the extremes of emotionalism. That, that all that matters is how I feel and stoicism, that feelings are all important. Thank you for the book of Psalms that shows us that every emotion is understood by you. And that you can give us power to change it or channel it. I want you to say, to say this prayer after me today. Lord, I know my feelings are often unreliable. I don't want to build my life on feelings. I want to build my life on truth. I don't want to be manipulated by other people or by Satan. I don't want to be manipulated even by my old nature. But I want to be self-controlled and alert. More than that, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do the things that please you. I want you to be the Lord of my emotions. I want to succeed in life by being controlled by your will and not my feelings. So help me to practice what I've just learned this week. Dear God, beginning right now, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want my life to be filled with love and not hate. With peace and not chaos. With joy and not sorrow. With patience and not impatience. Lord, I want to be kind. Fill me with goodness. Fill me with faith. Fill me with gentleness. Fill me with self-control. Help me to develop the habit of asking you to fill me moment by moment. Then, Lord, most of all, I ask you to help me manage my mouth. May I learn to put your words in my mouth and to speak the word of truth. In your name I pray. Amen. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart please Him in your sight, O Lord. Let us go forth from today. Let us begin to practice so that we'll have emotional health. So that our lives will be better. Let our emotional quotient be higher than our IQ. Father, we thank you for what you're doing and what you will continue to do in each and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together.
want to remind the uh, leaders that we do have this leadership meeting today at 6 in the original sanctuary. Just remind you, all the leaders. Um, those of you that are part of the various teams, the membership team and the ministry team, maturity team, missions team, media team, you're, you're, you're invite making sure that you're going to be there as well for our meeting this evening at 6. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are concerned about our health in every area of our lives. That you want us to be transformed, not only in our spiritual lives, physical lives, mental lives, but also now as we've talked about in our emotional lives. Lord, our emotions are important. And we need your help to control these emotions. So we ask you to speak to us as only you can. That as we go forth today, as we leave this place, we'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. I want us to sing what I want to think as, as a theme song for our series. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion. He understood. All I ever had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But our, our, our hope is he's going to make something what? Beautiful of my life. That's the transformation from being the caterpillar to the butterfly. That transformation. And that's how I see the picture. As we think of 50 days of transformation, it is that concept in my mind that we are being transformed from that caterpillar to that butterfly and the beautiful thing that God wants to do in our life. So let's sing it for the glory of God. Praise something His name. Something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, He understood, all I had to was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful, beautiful of my life. Let's sing it together, something.
He'll make something beautiful of your life. When you and I learn to manage and control our emotions. Raise your hand as I pronounce the benediction before you go back to your various classes. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed afternoon. Oh, there's a first-time guest, I understand. If you're a first-time guest, um, when you greet my hand, let me know.